Welcome to the Wild and Free podcast, episode 25. I'm Ainsley Arment, and today we'll be joined by the adorably charming Sarah McKenzie. That's coming up in just a little bit. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. the halfway point of August. Can you believe it? I'm struggling a little bit at the thought because oh how I love summer. I love summer nights at the beach, mornings on the back porch or watering the garden, and adventures that require only packing a swimsuit, toothbrush, and a pair of pajamas. Summer is easy living, and I've been so, so grateful for this one. Not only that, but for the first time in seven years, I don't feel an ounce of pressure to plan my homeschool year or worry about when we'll start quote-unquote school. Some of you may be thinking, uh, Ainsley, I'm not so sure that's a good thing. But let me tell you, this summer has been so full of learning for my family. Even though we haven't done any formal history, science, or language arts, I wouldn't worry one bit if our school days looked similar to what these summer days have been. Somewhere among the weekend trips to the lake, mornings at the beach, road trips to the mountains, and afternoons at the pool, my kids have studied the Bible nearly every morning, done multiple math lessons each day, read several books, and still had ample time to follow their passions like music, writing, and creating. Even my four-year-old chased the spark. She begged me often to practice her letters and numbers. And even little Millie, who just turned two last week, has really blossomed. She went from having a vocabulary of about four to five words to putting two words together and attempting several adorable phrases, like, I'm not baby, you baby, in just a matter of weeks. This has truly been a beautiful reminder that children don't have to be taught to learn. They want to learn and they know how to learn because they were born to do it. Of course, I have some fun and exciting plans for fall learning. I recently popped a few things into my Amazon cart and will be ordering a few books through Beautiful Feet. I'm really looking forward to studying American history with my kids, doing more art projects here at home, and lots and lots of science experiments. I let my kids choose our first couple of block themes, so we'll be diving into Vikings and birds at some point this fall. But not yet. Currently, my family is getting ready for the wild and free family camp that's taking place in less than two weeks. We're making sure that our jeans and our flannels fit from last year, picking up a few necessary items like hiking shoes, travel snacks, and a few good books for the plane. Every year, we plan a different route to get to family camp so we can explore new places in Colorado. Last year, after family camp, we spent some time in Southwest Colorado. We stayed in an Airbnb belonging to Ruth Simons, who is grace-laced on Instagram, on 70 acres near Durango, and went off-roading in La Plata Canyon, played in the Rio Grande River, and explored the cliff dwelling at Mesa Verde National Park. I think my favorite part of the whole trip was simply driving through the San Juan Mountains. They were otherworldly and magical. I can't wait to go back. This year, we have a different route planned out. After our time at family camp in Buena Vista, we're headed to Breckenridge and the Georgetown Railroad for some much-needed R&R. I know many of you have already started your schooling for fall, but I hope you'll leave room for the memories and adventures that summertime brings. Recently, Jennifer Pepito sat down with our good friend Sarah McKenzie of the Read Aloud Revival to chat about homeschooling this fall and the upcoming Wild and Free Conference. Let's listen in. 
I am actually podcasting in the bathroom of my RV. We're doing a fixer-upper project this summer. So we're camping out at the fixer-upper while my parents are in town helping us. So I am in a very little hot cave that I get to talk to you from. But how's your summer been? It's been good. And my house is totally quiet because my kids went off on a field trip uh, with a friend to a local waterfall. And so I've got a little more spacious, definitely not sitting in, in a hot camper, but lucky. <laughs> I'm excited. Lucky lucky. Just, it's been fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been fun to watch your pictures uh, on Instagram. Yes. So. so tell me a little bit about your summer. What have you been doing this summer? Uh, well, my biggest project has been finishing finishing up writing a book that's coming out next summer from Zondervan. It's called The Read Aloud Family, Making Meaningful Connections with Our Kids. And it's a book all about how we can use read aloud time to connect with our kids in this lasting and really impactful way. So this has been a book I've wanted to write for a long time. I've been writing it for about a year, but the last six months or so I have been, you know, going guns blazing, basically. That's a terrible way to describe that. Can we edit that out? I get it. Okay. I get the idiom. Yes. So you've been going full force <laughs> writing that full book. Full force. Much better. Yes. yes. <laughs> full yes. force. How exciting. I love seeing people like you who actually carve out the time to get it done. That's amazing. What do you say to encourage moms who are going through a little rougher season and can't read a lot as much as they want to? Well, actually, the funny thing is, is as I've been writing the book, I've been it's been such a huge project that I haven't been reading a lot as I, much as I normally do either, which my kids are making all kinds of jokes like mom's not reading a lot to us because she's busy writing a book about reading a lot to us. Oh, aren't they? Aren't <laughs> like, <it's> nice? <laughs> yes, they are so, yeah, little mirrors that <laughs> keep us humble. But, you know, everything is in season. One of the things I've noticed as a parent is that I have this pressure to think that I have to be on and doing just awesome mom things all the time for my kids to remember them. My husband and I, when we first got married, he asked if I went camping as a kid. And my instant response was, oh, yeah, yeah, I went camping. Uh, we went camping a lot. And then I realized, no, we went, we went camping one time. <laughs> At a KOA, no less, that had like a movie theater and <laughs> a golf course and stuff. Not really what he had in mind. But in my mind, I thought we went camping because that week was such a good experience for me. It made so many wonderful, warm memories that they stuck with me. And so I try to remember that when I get on my own case for having a season or even a year where we're not able to read as much or go on as many field trips or have as many family game nights that uh, it can't be 100% all the time. But you know, little pockets of time where you're able to make something happen, those will make a difference and they'll stay right. with our kids. And I think it's so much our attitude. I, I'm not reading the book The Endurance by Ernest Shackleton right now, but I have read it a few times. It's almost like what I'm sticking in front of my face right now as we go through this season, because Ernest Shackleton was such a good leader. He was so cheerful and kept his emotions under control in the way in the middle of deathly odds like they should have all died and they all survived and so for me I think you know for one thing it's it's part of the stories that we've read and so it's shaping our lives but also just getting through this season I'm trying to remember like Ernest was cheerful he was happy he didn't let on to his men that things were awful and so I'm trying really hard to pretend it's a game your kids memories of this time will probably I bet surprise you you know a decade from now and they'll they'll probably remember all the fun quirky things and... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it always Absolutely. feels so much harder as a parent than it does as a kid. Right. And especially I think it's about attitude. Like I know one of the other really hard seasons we had was when we moved to Mexico and I had such a bad attitude at that time. It was so full of self-pity. You know, the kids were having fun. It wasn't a hard season for them, but I made it harder because I was so mournful about it. That's really where stories have shaped my life, especially is just realizing that, hey, other people have gone through hard times and either survived them or done a really good job and thrived during them. Exactly. 
Exactly. So I imagine you have some stories like that in your book. I do. Actually, one of the things that was really fun about writing this book was that I put out a call to the Read Aloud Revival community asking for stories from their life about how reading books shaped them growing up, has shaped their kids. And it was really fun to read through all of those. And, you know, only a few ended up making it into the final manuscript. But just reading all of these stories and real stories of families that have suffered job loss or childhood cancer or the death of a family member and been able to lean on the stories that they shared together to bond them together and to kind of hold them up through hard times. That was really encouraging to me. For me, I'm feeling guilty about not reading aloud more, but I have one child who's not a strong reader yet. And so I'm getting him to read a little bit to me every day. But the younger two kids who are home full time, you know, the 10 year old's been reading Anne of Green Gables and Anne of Ingleside and Anne's House of Dreams. Like she's been reading like crazy all summer. And then the 14 year old read Crime and Punishment, War and Peace and a Booth Tarkington novel. So they're still getting some of the good stuff that would happen if I was reading to them. And uh, since I've never read any of those three harder books to my kids, they're getting even more in some ways. I love it when my older kids, I'll spot them reading something that I would never have tried to read aloud to them thinking that they'll be too hard or they'll think it's boring or something. And I'm like, where on earth did you get the idea to read that book? Yeah, <laughs> I love that. It's my favorite. To, yeah, my 13 year old was reading H.G. Wells uh, last week. And it was just because the books that she reads, the, a lot of times books will reference other books, you know, like the Penderwicks, the characters in the Penderwicks will talk, Jane, especially, she talks about characters and books she loves. And when my daughter reads those, and she wants, if she falls in love with the character, she wants to read the same books that they fell in love with. So a lot of the time, she'll read these old classics, just because the characters in the very contemporary books she's reading, love them. I Ooh, love that because yeah, I, I don't that. think I could to convince her to read H.G. Wells, but <laughs> yeah, really, how how sometimes stories spark. You know, I know my son. I don't know what he read in the beginning. Maybe Homer's Odyssey or something, and it really sparked uh, such an interest in Greek history that he, you know, read some more modern nonfiction books about the Battle of Thermopylae or Thermopylae. <laughs> I've heard different pronunciations yeah, yeah. of that word. Friends, our new Handcrafts book is in its final edits, and I'm so excited for you to see it. There are over 30 beautiful handcraft tutorials included. Some are perfect for little hands during read-alouds or rainy day nature crafting. Others make perfect gifts for the upcoming holiday season, like calendula salve or gorgeous moss terrariums. And it also includes learning new crafts like natural tie-dyeing, hand-stitching, and walnut boats. This is a -a one-of-a-kind volume that needs to be in your homeschool library. Handcrafts are a big part of Charlotte Mason and Waldorf pedagogies and really are such a valuable part of any education. Learning handcrafts builds confidence and skill in a child, not to mention patience and perseverance. If you don't currently incorporate them into your weekly rhythm, consider this your encouragement. We are only printing the number of handcrafts books that are pre-ordered by August 31st, so don't miss out on this opportunity. You can get your copy in our new bundle of all bundles, the Pioneer Package, or by itself in our shop at bewildandfree.org. And all of the proceeds from these sales will go to support the new Wild and Free Farm Village. You can learn more at bewildandfree.org slash handcrafts. So tell me about your homeschool year, because a lot of people, when this podcast airs, will be getting started with homeschooling for the year. How have you carved out time in such a busy summer to plan? Are you a big homeschool planner? And I know you have some good co-ops, so that probably takes some pressure off. It does take some pressure off. Um, This coming year, we're just in one co-op, and the other co-op we were in ended up dissolving, but that frees up some time in our schedule, too, especially as my older kids are getting a lot older. So my oldest will be a sophomore in high school this year, and then I've got two middle school-age kids 
a kindergartner, and then a couple of preschool-age twin boys. So we've got quite the gamut, and we need a little more time at home to get done the things on our list. But I don't spend a ton of time planning. I am sort of a minimalist when it comes to curriculum. That's sort of something that's happened over time. The longer I've homeschooled, the more I've realized a lot of it just isn't necessary. And I would prefer that we focus on the things that matter most to our family and then have lots of free time to explore interests. So I plan basics like math and reading and writing and then co-op homework. And then a lot from there, it just kind of goes off of after that springs from whatever they're interested in. So I just did homeschool planning last week. Uh, I think it took me a couple hours total to pick everything, get everything ordered and everything. And we'll start after Labor Day, which in our area is when everybody starts school. So I don't want to make them start school before the public school kids because I always want my kids to feel lucky to be homeschooled. (laughs) I worry if I start early that they'll think they're getting the short end of the stick. Yeah, I talked to Terry Woods about homeschooling year round because we've done some morning time during the summer this year and a little bit of math here and there, but it hasn't been a lot of school. But then during the school year, I don't do a lot of school either. So I feel like it kind of evens out if we get some of it done in the summer. Uh, I always say every year, we're going to do math. We're going to do math this summer. This year we did, but only because my kids were being taught math by somebody else. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I yeah, think but- I think that, that some of these subjects to outsource them is brilliant because if you don't love it, you're not going to teach your kids to love it either. Like I love reading to my kids and I love talking about books and history and art. Well, I started outsourcing math when my oldest daughter and I, I realized that 90% of the time we were butting heads was about math. And I thought, you know what? Math is not worth sacrificing my relationship with my daughter. So either my husband can teach it or we can find, we ended up finding a tutor this next year instead of having a tutor um, that got a little too expensive. We're doing an online class. We're going to try that instead. And then next year she'll be in early college so she can take it there. But uh, yeah, at some point I had to realize I don't love math. And if this is a hard point between our relationship, it's not really worth that. I'd rather have a good relationship with my child. Right, so, right. Yeah. I love how Charlotte Mason really in all of the schooling that she recommends in the books, as far as I can understand, it is centered around books and book discussions and then free time to explore nature. And I've been reading the Thomas Jefferson education book also, and he focuses a lot on the same stuff. But then I think a lot of people when they get to high school, they start to panic and feel like, oh, I've got to, you know, do 150 hours in 10 different subjects to be able to meet state requirements. How do you feel about high school? So I always feel like I'm cheating a little when I answer this because my oldest daughter is my only high schooler so far, and she might be a little more responsible than I am. So it feels like... I don't know if I should really speak to this until I've got a less responsible child at that age. It hasn't felt any more difficult to me than the younger years. And in some ways, it feels less so. And I think the reason why is because when they get to high school ages, they are a lot more independent, or at least they need to be working on that independent. It's a lot less of me teaching her things as much as me being her coach or her guide. So, you know, she's assigned, for example, at co-op, she's assigned some books to read for her history and literature class, and then they write papers. And I get to be the one that can ask a few questions about the books, most of them, (laughs) which I have not read, and edit her papers and that kind of thing. But I just sort of get to be her ally instead of her teacher. And I really like that role. That's a really fun role for me. I haven't felt like it's added a tremendous amount of time. And I think it's just because of this sort of minimalist, simplistic view I've come to adopt in our homeschool, where we're doing just what she needs to do to get into college. And I still want her to have lots and lots of free time to explore her interests, which usually includes more of her own interest-led reading. So she does, you know, math in Her co-op classes are history and literature and science, and she's doing a Rosetta Stone foreign language program and piano lessons. And 
pretty much after that, it's open time for her to just sort of experience life as she's interested in. For example, she's really into photography. So she's taking a photography class and she's always outside with my nice camera, taking better pictures than I can. And that's the kind of stuff. (laughs) It is really helpful. Especially when you have a website, you're like, hey, yeah, could you go take a picture of this book over? (laughs) Right. Absolutely. (laughs) So I feel like um, Julie Bogart has some really wonderful things to say about high school. And one of the things she said to me once, which made me feel a lot calmer is, we feel like at high school, now it all counts. But really, it's just the next step. So you don't usually stress out a whole lot when you go from third to fourth grade or from fifth to sixth grade. We just think it's the next step. And in high school, it's much the same. It's just the next step. It's sort of our culture that's turned it into this whole different set of expectations. But you know, when I was putting together her transcript for her freshman year, it's kind of how I feel at the end of every school year, where when I start writing down all the things that we've done, I think, wow, we did a lot more than I realized, <laughs> or a lot more mm-hmm. counts. Andrew Putaway from the Institute for Excellence in Writing told me, you know, you can do a few basics. They need to know how to write an essay, and they need to know how to write well. They need to know their math, things like that for college. But but a lot of times, the things that they're interested in doing, <laughs> you can just be creative with the way you write those on the transcript, and it all fits somewhere, you know? So we have a lot more freedom, I think, than we think we do. I really feel like in high school, my most important role has been as conversationalist. And trust me, (laughs) like for those of you who have just little kids, that's a really exhausting thing. Actually, it takes a lot of energy to have conversations with your teen. It's really fun. It's been my favorite stage so far has been my teens, which I think is really encouraging because a lot of times we get all freaked out about teenagers and how they're angsty and rebellious. And so far, my teens, I just have loved this stage so much. But discussions and conversations end up about schoolwork and about not schoolwork, about things that are happening in the world, about things that their friends said, about what happened at co-op last week. Those can take a lot of time and energy, but I feel like that's probably the most important thing that's happening in our home with my right. teens is the conversations. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially if there's eye contact, because I feel like, you know, with our children, part of how they stay connected to us and actually want to adopt our values in a sense is when they feel attached to us or feel connected to us. And so when we as parents are taking the time to look them in the eyes and talk to them, you know, even starting with our infants and our toddlers, taking the time to look them in the eyes and talk to them as we do that throughout their lives, then we are the people who they look to for values, for what to do. And and obviously, we want them to develop an independent, you know, an ability to make decisions independently. But as parents, it's our joy, it's our delight to be able to pass on our values to our children. And I think that happens in large part through connection and conversation. I am so excited to see you in just a month and a half at the Wild and Free Conference in Nashville. I know, I can not wait. I am basically counting down the days. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I'm so excited. I mean, it's been like a really not a pretty season for me. Just I'm lucky if I have my hair in a ponytail and I've brushed my teeth. And so even just the idea of being in a hotel with hot and cold running water and a comfy (laughs) bed and having the time to put on makeup is actually kind of thrilling me. Not to mention all the beautiful people I get to hang out with. Exactly. And the music and yes, Yes, it's going to be in Nashville. It's going to be great food. I, I can't wait. I've never been to Nashville. I've only heard about it and I am so excited to come. Yes. Are you going to have any time to tour around at all? A little bit, not a ton, but a little bit. Yeah, me too. Same, same thing here. I yes, I'm so excited about, you know, just the connection and the opportunity to be with so many people that I love and then meet so many people that I haven't met before. But the speaker lineup is fantastic, too. I've actually never gotten to meet Sally Clarkson face to face. We've had lots of phone 
conversations, but not face to face yet. And I love Rhea Burke. She is easily one of my favorite people on the entire planet. So I'm really Absolutely. excited about yes hearing that them speak. and Leah Bowden all the way from England. Yes, so exciting. I know. I can't wait. So it's going to be a really amazing time. Sarah, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me this morning. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's been fun. It's always fun to chat with you. Friends, I'm no expert, but after seven years, I've realized a few things and have begun to see the fruits of a natural learning environment. If I could impart any words of wisdom or encouragement to you as you begin your homeschool year, it would be this. Don't overthink it. Don't overplan it. Do think about the kind of atmosphere you desire to have and do the things that fit within that vision. And think of the kind of experiences you want your children to have. Then plan around those. We are here to remind you that you are not alone, and we hope you're inspired to embrace this journey of life learning. We're in this together. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but join us next week for the Wild and Free Podcast.